The following program is a presentation of Lakeshore Communications Inc. and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Lakeshore Communications Inc., its sponsors or donors. Three, three, two, one, zero, zero, zero. From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. And it is Tuesday, January 9, 2024. I'm Crash. Mary Danielson is here. And I hope uh, the dogs will be quiet. I have my uh, dog sled outside the window there. (laughs) So hopefully they won't be uh, a distraction today. Mary Danielson. Mushy Huskies. <laughs> yes, it is. Winter decided to show up. We have a snowy one today. The schools are all closed. Um, but here we are. Uh, the roads aren't too bad early on, but by tonight and early tomorrow morning, it's going to be a lot worse. So praise the Lord. We have a chance to uh, um, do this podcast today. A fresh podcast for, as Crash said, January the 9th. My guest for the first half is Russ Miller. Always a pleasure to catch up with Russ. Uh, creationism is a critical apologetic for the church to understand because if the Genesis account of creation is not true, neither is Revelation and really everything else in between is suspect. So we will be talking with Russ the first half, the second half hour, headlines, and there is no... Um, end of things that we could talk about that way. I got some very interesting headlines for you today. So let's dive in. My scripture this morning is Psalm 67, 1 through 4. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations of the earth. Selah. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we commit our lives to you afresh and anew today and ask that you continue to work in our hearts and in our minds, getting us ready for eternity, Lord. We long to be with you. But we do pray for those struggling uh, with illness and difficulties. Lord, you know all things. There are many unspoken needs among us, uh, among those listening. So we pray for grace to get through these times, and Lord, that we could, at all times, bring glory to your name. We lift up Russ and his loved ones, pray for all needs to be met, for good health and protection. Thank you for Russ and his labors for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I have Russ Miller, the head of Creation, Evolution, and Science Ministries, or CESM. He has shared thousands of church service messages, authored five creation-oriented books, written and illustrated two kids' coloring books. Uh, He's done PowerPoint seminars. He has a DVD series and study guide. uh, And he also heads up Grand Canyon, Rim Raft, and Grand Staircase tours. Hundreds of radio programs, so much more. He has spoken on college campuses, at national conferences, and appeared on many worldwide Christian TV programs. His website is creationministries.org. Welcome to Stand Up, Russ. Good morning, Mary. How are you all today? Doing well. Thank you so much for your time today. I know everyone is just so busy. Uh, before we get to our topic this morning, um, maybe we could take a minute and you could tell us what's on the agenda for CESM in 2024. It looks like a very busy year. What you got going on? Well, God keeps opening doors for us, mm-hmm. and we try to go through them and serve best we can. Mm-hmm. So God's been Good at uh, opening doors where we can go and share, uh, you know, God honoring information, and 
Uh, we do have a pretty full schedule uh, for this coming year. Um, we've got a, a course on biblical creation uh, with Northwest Christian School out of Phoenix. They're a accredited, exemplary accredited school, which means their courses can be used by public school kids. You can take them online and use them mm. for elective credits. So actually, biblical creation can get into the public schools as credit through uh, taking an online course with Northwest Christian School out of Phoenix. If anyone's interested, they could Google Northwest Christian School, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and contact them about that course. So that's going. Uh, we've got uh, Grand Staircase tours going this year. Uh, uh, most folks don't know what the Grand Staircase is, but it's some of the most awesome proof of the truth of God's Word anywhere in the physical world where over two miles of rock layers have been removed from above the layers that make up the rim of the Grand Canyon. So if anyone's ever been to Grand Canyon, they know it's a mile from the rim down to the river, but what they don't and aren't told is there used to be two miles of rock layers above where they were standing on the rim of the canyon, Mm-hmm. And they've been removed from southern Utah south to the sea, leaving behind what's called the Grand Staircase, which if folks want to, are, are, are familiar with or they want to Google uh, Bryce National Park or Zion National Park, those are 2,500-foot uh, cliffs at each location. They're a p- part of the erosional event where the two miles of layers were removed all the way to the sea, about 150 times more sediments than What's missing from that puny little Grand Canyon? <laughs> puny. The, power, the, the evidence of the global flood is so powerful here mm-hmm. that the secular world can't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you go to Zion or Bryce or Grand Canyon, they, they won't even mention the two miles of layers that have been removed. So mm-hmm. we take tours. We lead Christian tours uh, through that area. We've got uh, a few going uh, this year. We've got three in June with a group called Compass International. Mm-hmm of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And if anyone is interested in seeing Zion, Bryce, and Grand Canyon through a biblical worldview, they could go to uh, compass.org website and uh, check out those tours. They're going to be awesome tours. And uh, so we've got a lot of things going. We have mm-hmm. a new thumb drive that has my top five messages in the order I would present to anyone, a, a struggling Christian, a young Christian, an out-and-out atheist scoffer it, 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 they're in the order I would present to anyone to make a, a big impact on their life so starts out with the top 10 Darwinian lies in the textbooks and once you show people what a total fraud Darwinism is and how it's right in the textbooks and they see that then they can understand they've been deceived in a lot of areas mm-hmm. and it really opens up people's minds to the fact that We've been deceived, and God's word is true, uh, word for word and cover to cover, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Now, if people want to get on the tours, uh, are, is there room? Are there room still on these Grand Canyon tours? Well, we have uh, three in June. I know the first one is sold out. I think there's about four seats left on the second one. And they just opened up a third one because they sold the first two out so quickly. Okay. So. I don't uh, remember the exact date. This is in the latter part of June, and if people go to compass.org, they can check out the trip and get signed up if they'd like to go. But these are awesome Christian trips. Next to going to Israel, probably one of the best Christian tours you can get on uh, in this world. Mm -hmm. And we um, 
I hope some of the listeners will call, get hold of Compass and join us on that trip. It's it's going to be fun and it's going to be awesome. You get to go to three of our most spectacular uh, national parks, Bryce, Zion, and Grand Canyon, and not only learn, but physically see for yourself how there's no way to explain this, but flooding that was on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Well, the global flood is the linchpin in the world, uh, war of worldviews. The old earth beliefs, which are the foundation of humanism, Darwinism, naturalism, atheism, etc., they're based on the earth's crust, the stratified layers laid down by water, not having formed quickly in a flood, but having formed slowly and uniformly over long ages of time, uh, that people would do this in the last days is, is prophesied in Second Peter 3, 3 through 6, by the way. And there's no way to explain these missing uh, sediments that left behind the staircase, but a flood, which I'll explain to everybody and show how that wipes out every old earth belief that puts death before Adam. And that's another issue with the old earth beliefs. Sure. I, uh, I always explain when I speak in a church, uh, the first thing I do is I, I, I explain the cost, C-O-S and the cross. Just, it's an acronym that explains our perfect creation was corrupted by Adam's original and that separated us from God, re- requiring our redemption through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And that separation, uh, that original sin that caused the separation, is also what brought death into the world. Every old earth belief says, oh, no, 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 it was millions of years of death that brought man into the world. The biblical message is man's sin brought death into the world, separating us from our Creator and requiring our redemption through our Creator, who is Lord Jesus the Christ. And that's uh, that's just part of the what we share on our trips and teachings. And, yeah, I hope some folks will uh, consider joining. Uh, right now there are some uh, seats on the, on the third tour, okay. and uh, that'll be in late June. Okay, sounds good. Sometimes people ask me, well, we... We think we want to, you know, we would like to take a vacation that really um, benefits our our kids, our teens, and their worldview. And and what would you suggest? And I always uh, throw these out there to them, and and I think it's good reminder to to let people know that there are uh, some great options for vacations like this. Also, I see you have a couple of prophecy conferences coming up. You have one in Sugarland uh, that would be Andy Woods's uh, church there, and then Stealing the Mind in March. Uh, speaking of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, the Stealing the Mind Bible mm-hmm. Conference. I, I look at these and think, gee, I hope they're live streaming because I would love to watch these conferences. Uh, I bet you're looking forward <laughs> yeah. to both of those. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be a part of both of those. Mm-hmm. And Mary, I, I'm pretty sure they're both going to be live streamed. Great. Um, you go to Sugarland uh, Bible Church website and find out the times, I believe, the conference is it's in February, and let me let me add the dates up here. Uh, the twenty third it opens at night, and the conference is all day on the twenty fourth. Okay. I believe I've got those dates right. It's okay. a Friday, Saturday, and the uh, stealing the mind conference says stealing like iron on iron yes. steals the mind. Um, stealing the mind conference at a quarter lane is on Saturday, March sixteenth. And I've got a brand new message that uh, I think you and I might talk about yep. for a few minutes here. It's, it's. It, I think it's the most important message a Christian can hear today, but it's not going to be very popular inside of today's church. And I'm going to be talking about uh, false Christ because 
Christ told us that when the disciples asked him what would be the sign of the last days right before the end of the world, the first thing he said was false Christs would arise. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important we take a look at that and um, make sure that we're all on board with the one and only Jesus yes. of the Bible. Yes, absolutely. And we're looking at Second Corinthians eleven three and 4. And I'm just going to read those verses. They're very loaded for two verses. There is so much here. But it says, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Sounds like a little sarcasm there, Russ. I've I've observed since mm-hmm. being on social media for so long, a lot of people who are biblically illiterate or they're mired in false teaching, um, they'll state what they believe and they'll, they'll stir something up. And the people who are contending for the faith might say, and I've done this, I'm sorry, you have the wrong Jesus. And they say, you know, it's like their heads explode. They say, what do you mean the wrong Jesus? Um, and yet here it says some minds are corrupted. Uh, and just because someone names the name of Jesus or makes a movie about him doesn't mean that they are representing him biblically, which results in deception and heresy. So, Russ, open us up about that. What what have you been looking at with these verses? Well, that, that's so important, Mary. I mean, if you look at that one verse, it talks about our minds being corrupted, us mm-hmm. being deceived, that there, there are going to be other Jesuses, yeah. other spirits, mm-hmm. other Gospels. Well, you know, I don't see anyone worrying about it. I don't see anyone... Fearing that, I don't see anyone saying, "Wow, we need mm. to to look at at what we believe and make sure it matches what the Word of God says." And you know, if you ask someone today, "How how are we saved?" You know, this should be the most basic question and, and the, the the most basic answer any Christian can put forth. But I've been talking to people for for years and years about this and. If you ask somebody, a Christian, at any level, you know, how's a person saved? You hear all sorts of things like, well, you ask Jesus into your heart, or you say the sinner's prayer, or maybe you walk the aisle and say the sinner's prayer, or you accept <laughs> salvation, or maybe you were raised in a Christian home, or you get baptized. The, the problem is, that's not how you get saved. It's very simple. Uh, when someone asks, you know, how do I get saved, or you saved by believing that the Jesus of the Bible, no false Jesus, you say by believing that the Jesus of the Bible died to cover our sins and rose from the grave to defeat death. It's that simple. If you believe that, you're saved. Now, the key there, though, too, is it needs to be the Jesus of the Bible who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. So, you have to believe in the biblical Jesus. Believing in Jesus is the bottom line. Um, and I just felt led to to put forth this message. And I haven't even come up with a title for it yet. Mm-hmm. I might just call it Fice, uh, False Christ Shall Arise, mm-hmm. which is what Jesus told the disciples when they asked him for the sign of the last days. We just need to re- remember that Satan is like a roaring lion, and he is good at what he does. Uh, Mary, if, if I were Satan, and think about this, if you were Satan, isn't one of the first things you would do put false Christs out there to deceive and mislead people? I mean, a person can know what the Bible says. They can memorize it word for word and cover to cover. And 
that doesn't save you. What saves you is believing in the Jesus of the Bible. And if Satan can just put some false Christs out there, which is what Jesus said would happen, all he has to do is simply fool you into believing in a different Jesus. Mm-hmm. And today, you know, I know this is going to upset people that, that I say this, but I'm saying it because people need to hear it and, and think about it and pray about it. But today we've got the biblical Christ who says he created in six days resting on the seventh, who says he judged man's sin with a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. That would be a global flood. And this is the only Jesus who's found in the Bible who lived a sinless life, suffered and died on a cross, who shed blood covering our sin. He's the only Jesus buried in a tomb that rose the third day to defeat death for eternity. And this is the only Jesus that will be found sitting on the right hand of the Father as our intercessor. But today, over 90% of our seminaries and colleges are teaching, let's see, there's the theistic evolution Christ who used billions of years of death and suffering to slowly evolve us and who never judged the world with a global flood. It was a local flood. The reason they say it wasn't a global flood, by the way, is a global flood explains how the Earth's crust, the stratified layers, form quickly. Mm. Well, every old Earth belief is based on a belief those stratified layers form slowly and uniformly over billions of years without a global flood. And again, interestingly enough, the Bible's such a spectacular book, it can only be the inspired Word of God. In Second Peter 3, 3-6, through 6, we're told in the last days, this is the last days prophecies, scoff scoffers would claim uniform processes and deny the global flood. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where yeah. the older beliefs come from. And then besides the theistic evolution Christ, there's the progressive creation Christ, who also used billions of years of death and uh, suffering, but not to create us, uh, to, to, excuse me, to evolve us, but to slowly create us over long ages of time, mm. ending with mankind. Mm-hmm. And they also deny the global flood as well. And both of these beliefs say millions and billions of years of death brought man along. The Bible's message is man's sin brought death along mm-hmm. and separated us from God. Then there's the gap theory, which mm-hmm. was the first attempt to fit these millions and billions of years of time into God's Word. Again, based on the geologic column or time scale that was invented 200 years ago, based on uniform processes and no global flood, the drawing of layers, as they, they say, formed over millions and hundreds of millions of years of time. Uh, the gap theory, there, supposedly there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, where uh, basically there were billions of years of death before Genesis 1-2, where God had a different creation. He had, he had a, the first creation not found in the Bible, and... Satan and his minions were banned to that supposed non-biblical creation, and they so corrupted it that God destroyed the non-biblical creation with a non-biblical global flood. (laughs) And then this is where they pick up with Genesis 1, verse 2, that God then recreated in a six-day creation. But think about this. He he called it very good, Mm. yet he left it full of Satan and his minions who he Mm. just destroyed the other creation because of? That just, that doesn't make any sense. They deny the evidence of the biblical global flood attributed to their non-biblical global flood to try to fit the billions of years into God's Word. And what I'm trying to show people is none of those three Christs, the theistic evolution one, the progressive creation one, or the gap theory one, 
they don't exist. Mm-hmm. They do not exist. I mean, ask yourself, how many Christ died on that cross and rose from the grave? How many? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's only one. Right. So if, if someone is upset about what I've just said, I would ask them, well, which one of those three is it? Yeah. And does the biblical Christ count? That makes four. So which one of those four is the one who died on the cross? <laughs> Russ, I keep thinking. So there's only, yeah, there's only, the only logical answer is it's the biblical Christ, yeah. which makes those other three false Christs, basically modern-day golden calves. And if we're believing in a false Christ who never existed, Mary, if, if, if the Christ we're, we're worshiping in our minds never existed, did he ever die on a cross? Mm. We've been misled. Does that make sense? Wow, yes, it makes a lot of sense. And it also makes a certain word jump out at me from this 2 Corinthians 11, and that is three, the simplicity that is in Christ. Because, Russ, when we're Mm. talking about the gap theory and all these other things, and even cults like... uh, of uh, the angel that brought Mormonism, you know, if, if anyone, like Galatians, mm-hmm. if an angel preaches another gospel, uh, let him be accursed. Well, you know, I'm thinking there's no simplicity in what you're saying, except when you gave the gospel earlier. There's the simplicity. It's so obvious that the complexity, the opposite, the complexity and the soul pollution of what you were just talking about and how you have to build this narrative uh, extensive narrative to make people believe in uh, the theistic Christ, the progressive Christ. So I think, for me anyway, this morning the key word here is simplicity. Exactly. Don't don't make it so difficult. Mm-hmm. Read God's word, take it in the correct context, and believe God's word. It can't be, get any easier than that. But again, Satan's an expert at what he does, yeah. and he is out there. He comes across like an angel of light. And we are warned. Jesus told us there would be tares among the wheat. And they're going to look like wheat. They're going to sound like wheat. But they are tares planted by the enemy. Jesus said that um, there will be wolves among the the flock, Mm -hmm. but they're going to look like sheep. They're they're wolves. They're going to devour Christians, but they're going to come across like sheep. They're going to be the best-sounding Christian, speaking the best Christian ease you've ever heard. They may have sold a best-selling book for the number one Christian song, or they might have a church with 35,000 members or 500 members or whatever. But Mm -hmm. how do you tell a wolf from a sheep? Well, I've come up with a wolf test, okay? Okay. It comes comes down to this. If they, at the end of the day, are leading you to a Jesus other than the Jesus found in the Bible, that's a wolf. Mm. Now, they may not even know they're a wolf. They may have been misled themselves. But they need to uh, be, uh, uh, I don't want to say confronted in a bad way. They need to be talked with. They need to have this explained to them. And this is what this message I'm putting together is all about. I'm not attacking these people. Mm -hmm. I would say... Oh, 80% of the Christians doing this, they've been misled. They don't even know they're doing anything wrong. They think that they're in perfectly good shape. But but Mary, Jesus said, many will come to me on that day. Many, I think, means most. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, Lord, Lord, they're going to be excited to see who they think is their Lord. And Jesus is going to look at them and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never knew you, you worker of inequity. Get away from me. Well, why wouldn't Jesus know them? Because they never knew him. They they were worshiping a false Christ. And most of them do not mean evil or harm by it. They've just been honestly misled. And, you know, honestly, I used to be a theistic evolutionist. 
so I'm not attacking those people. I understand that's all they've heard. They've been misled. And I just want to get this message out. The problem is over 90% of our Christian seminaries and colleges are teaching these various Christs. And I'd say about 98% of churches will block this information because these false golden calves are so inundated in our churches today. You know, Mary, we, we could sit around a table with four couples. We could have one couple that believes in the biblical version of Jesus, another the theistic evolution Christ, another the progressive creation Christ, another the gap theory Christ. And you could all just talk, well, here's what I believe, and here's yeah. what I believe, and yeah, and I believe this, and I believe that. But nobody ever today goes to, well, what does the Bible say? <laughs> because the Bible says false Christ shall arise. The Bible goes through all of this, and we need to start paying attention to God's Word because mm-hmm. there's a lot of well-meaning people, very sincere people, who are sincerely misled. Yeah. And I'm hoping we can at least get this out and wake a few people up. Yeah, absolutely. Great insights, Russ. I also see in, in Corinthians 11.4, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, um, apostles were sent out. If one who comes, he's going to come in his own name. Isn't that interesting that it says there? And then down further in in 11.13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And so we also have other groups out there who say, well, I'm an apostle and a prophet, and we have this ministry, I'm an apostle. Well, they they transform themselves. They claim to be apostles, but they are not. And Paul was obviously very upset about this, but I thought it was interesting. He who comes, not he who is sent. Um, so they are coming in their own name. Very, very fascinating uh, verses there. Like I said, there is so much there. Different gospel, different Jesus uh, because there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name other than Jesus under heaven, um, which has been given among men, by which we must be saved. Not might be saved or may be saved. <laughs> must be saved. So the wrong Jesus is the wrong gospel, is the wrong eternity. And, and um, wow, heavy-duty stuff for us. So we just have a few minutes left before you have to leave us, and I'm wondering if there's something else that you want to uh, talk about in the last uh, three minutes that we have here before the break. Well, basically, that um, you know, God's good to us. He he he's given us time to to find Him. You know, at the, mm-hmm. at the sin of of Adam, death entered the creation. Uh, spiritual death was uh, immediate. Physical death began immediately, but it gives us time. If physical death had been immediate, that'd have been the end of mankind. Mm-hmm. God was merciful to give us time. As we get older, we start realizing, hey, you know, we're not going to be here forever. <laughs> and it gives us time to realize that there is a God, and we're not Him, yeah. and that uh, Jesus Christ is the real uh, is the real deal. I was speaking on a college campus a couple years ago, and I'd do the hour-long talk, and then I'd do the hour-long Q&A, because I had to let the kids see the professors didn't have anything. If I just spoke and left, they professors would have been, boy, if I could have spoken. <laughs> so we do an open Q&A and uh, let the professors ask any questions they, they might have. And one kid stood up and he just said something putrid about Christianity. And the, the whole auditorium just roared in laughter. And as I was standing there waiting for the laughter to, to die down, God just handed this to me. And the, the laughter died down. And I'm, I'm kind of talking with God in my head saying, but if I say that, they're going to kill me. No answer. So I said, okay, I'll do it. 
And the laughter died down. I said, now I have a question for all of you. If that young man would have said something like that about a Hindu or a Muslim or a homosexual or a New Ager, he would have been kicked out of this college. Mm -hmm. But because he said something like that about a Christian, you thought that was so funny. That was so enjoyable. Why is that? Total silence. And I'm still talking with God. And I'm saying, well, God, if I say this, they're going to kill me. And no answer. So I said, well, okay. And I said, well, tell you what, let me, I broke the silence. I said, let me answer that question for you. Jesus Christ, the reason you can, you can attack a Christian, nobody else in this campus, is that Jesus Christ is the real deal. See, Satan already has all non-Christians. He doesn't want you yeah. wasting your time attacking non-Christians. But because Christianity is the real thing, and Jesus Christ is the real Savior, Satan wants you attacking Christians, and on this secular campus, you can't say boo to anyone, yeah. but you can say any putrid thing you want about a Christian, and you all think it's so enjoyable. Yeah. And not only did they not kill me, you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> it made a it made an impact on a lot of the students wow. that were there. Wow. Um, but that's the reason you see Christianity under attack around the world, and Judaism, for that matter. Christianity is a real thing, and the Israelites are, are God's chosen people, the Jews. So you can attack these two groups, but nobody else in our ABC tolerance today, right, anything right. but Christianity. Oh, Russ, i got to cut you off because we are, we are done here, but I'm so thankful you had some time for us today. We'll get you back later this winter. Creationministries.org. Look at the website. Look at the events coming up. Maybe he's going to be at a conference near you, at a church near you. Um, just so many great things Russ has to share. What a blessing to the church. So thank you, Russ. Thank you, Mary. All God right. bless you. God Bye-bye. bless you, too. Uh, so we have headlines coming up in the next half of Stand Up for the Truth today. Just finished with Russ Miller. Um, a lot of great headlines coming up. Lots to talk about. So uh, stand by. We're going to take a two-minute break, and then we're going to come back. So stay with us. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth for Tuesday, January 9th. Snowy day here in northeast Wisconsin. We just finished the first half with Russ Miller. Um, and he was just uh, so much we could have talked about with Russ. But we did talk about, and this is kind of a good segue to the second half, which is going to be headlines. We talked about when death came into the world. And that's interesting because of what I picked for the first headline. Um, maybe you haven't given a whole lot of thought to the number one cause of death around the world. I mean, we don't wake up thinking about that. We don't necessarily wake up thinking about our mortality but when sin entered the world, death entered the world, it is the default position of every living thing. But the number one cause of death around the world, this might unsettle you. And I'm not just talking about the U.S. because with all the, the changes in abortion rulings from federal to state over the last uh, X number of months, maybe 18 months now, um, we mostly focus on this country. I'm going to talk about the whole world here, and it might unsettle you. It's actually heartbreaking. Abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2023. And after doing some digging, I found out it is always the leading cause of death worldwide. And the article says, more human beings died in abortions than any other cause of death in 2023. A heartbreaking reminder about the prevalence of abortion. Statistics compiled by Worldometers indicates there were 73 million abortions around the world last year. Um, the independent site collects data from governments and other organizations that then reports the data. Um, now, when you're talking about 73 million people, that is the same population as, say, Thailand or the U.K. 
um, I looked at a, a chart of all the populations around the world. And, and really, the UK, that would be like um, if everyone in the UK died. And that's 200,000 per day. Um, it is also the leading cause of death in the U.S. Now, if you look that up, what is the leading cause of death in the U.S.? You are not going to get that. You're going to get cancer, COVID, HIV, that sort of thing. That is not true. And the article goes on to say, in the U.S., where nearly 30% of pregnancies are unintended and 40% of those are terminated by abortion, there are between 1,500 to 2,500 per day. Nearly 20% of all pregnancies in the U.S., including miscarriages and in abortion. Um, the Guttmacher Institute reports 930,000 abortions performed in 2020. And so that's 14.4 uh, per 1,000 women. Okay, when contrasting the abortion numbers to other causes of death, including cancer, HIV, traffic accidents, and suicide, abortions far outnumbered every other cause. By contrast, an estimated 10 million people died from cancer last year, 6.2 million from smoking, 17 million from disease, and 2 million of HIV AIDS. Um, and then it goes on to say the, uh, the abortion number is incomprehensible. I have to agree with that. 73 million people. That, that is incomprehensible. But each of those 73 million abortions worldwide represents a living human being whose life was violently destroyed in their mother's womb. Each unborn baby already had their own unique DNA, making them distinct from their mother. That DNA indicated if the child was a boy or girl, eye, hair color, height, genetic disorders, other disabilities, and, of course, so much more. And the hearts are beating when they are aborted, too. In America, just under one million babies are aborted every year. Um, 65 million since Roe v. Wade. In January, pro-life advocates will gather around the annual March for Life to remember the anniversary of that infamous decision and call for restored protections for the unborn. But um, just connecting the dots here with what we talked about with Russ a little bit, 150,000 people die per day around the world. That's just die of all causes. But what I like to say is 150,000 people go into eternity. That gives us as believers a little different perspective. And as we're thinking about 150,000 people going into eternity, uh, either in Christ or without Christ, it is very sobering because the church, um, of course, has work to do to bring the gospel to people. But 60 million people per year die. And not to be a downer here, but I think it's just good to remember, um, I'm still thinking how 73 million people die of abortion around the world, because abortion is legal in most countries, um, just depending. Uh, there are only 24 countries where it is strictly prohibited and the rest of the countries, it varies uh, by restriction. It varies about, uh, according to rape or the uh, health of the mother, that sort of thing. So just a few things to, like I said, I know it's sobering, but a few things to think about when we pray about, um, you know, the, the end of, of all life is death. And it's good to think about that. And here's another article that kind of goes along with this. It's called The Dangerous Devaluing of Life. Women are stocking up on abortion pills amid fears of restriction. In 2020, when word first broke about the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a nationwide flurry to stock up on food and home goods, particularly, of course, toilet paper and Lysol wipes. It was a time of panic buying and led to mostly empty paper and cleaning product shelves across the country. The rush to stock pantries when fear strikes is normal in real life, but what is not normal, some would argue, is stocking up on something like abortion pills. Yes, that is very strange. 
It says, however, recent research revealed that is precisely what women have chosen to stockpile just in case they're needed if more states move to protect people from their dangerous side effects. Uh, as the Associated Press reported, daily requests for a specific abortion source fluctuated greatly. Aid Access, a European online telemedicine source, notes that between September of uh, 21 and April of 23, they alone have received roughly 48,400 requests from across America for abortion medication. Research also revealed the majority of those requesting pills are women in their 30s who do not have children and are not pregnant. This takes uh, prepping to an entirely awful level, right? And it says, other than to just be prepared, little information was provided for the exact reason why these women felt the need to stock up on abortion pills. The Guardian wrote that Dr. Rebecca Gompertz, a Dutch physician and abortion activist, encouraged women to do so last year. And she says, quote, don't wait for the decision. Just get the medication now. Get it into your house. Get it into your hands. Well, that's just wicked. Uh, another gal, director for the Center for Human Dignity at Family Research Council, commented to the Washington Stand, that this increase in demand for at-home abortion pills further demonstrates how the abortion movement harms women. It does not protect them. The acceptance of artificial birth control spread the lie that the purpose of sex is not unity and procreation, but instead just pleasure. So very, very messed up world that we are living in. Um, again, these statistics worldwide, 73 million people. It's just, uh, it just boggles my mind. Anyway, I'm going to move on from that, but keep in mind, you know, like I said, people die outside of Christ every single day, and, and uh, so we need to have that in our minds when we think about what we're going to do with our day. Is there someone we can reach for Christ? All right, switching gears here. This is very interesting. This article is called Artificial Intelligence is Allowing Them, there's a sort of a wandering pronoun there, allowing them to construct a global surveillance prison from which no escape is possible. Now, I think everyone listening in knows that we are in... Uh, a prison planet here. There is global surveillance on so many levels. It started a long time ago. It has just reached critical mass with AI and with phones, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and cameras everywhere. But this was interesting. This is a uh, zooming in version of that. Um, this is by Michael Snyder. And he says, every inch of our planet is being watched and incredibly sophisticated artificial intelligence solutions make it possible for those who are watching our planet to find whatever they want in just minutes. So this is, um, for lack of a better phrase, a, a search engine, a phenomenal. Uh, AI is becoming a phenomenal search engine. So let me, let me go on here with what Michael says. You can try to run and you can try to hide, but if they really want to find you, it won't be difficult. All around us, a global surveillance prison is being constructed. Even if you completely stay off the Internet and you totally avoid all forms of modern technology, cameras and satellites will still be endlessly watching you. Not necessarily just finding, they're watching you. Um, and once your face has been identified, AI can be used to locate you wherever you pop up on the entire planet. Corey Jaslowski is the CEO of an artificial intelligence company known as Synthetic, and the system that his company has developed is extremely impressive. According to NPR, quote, it can really find anything you want anywhere in the world. And the host of NPR uh, opens it up by saying, AI has been getting attention for its potential to bring huge changes to lots of different fields in the near future. But this revolution in surveillance is happening now. For decades, cameras have been watching over cities, 
businesses, and homes, but that footage has mainly been stored locally, and reviewing it took a pair of human eyes. Not anymore. AI systems can now hunt for a van in the city, scan license plates, and even faces in real time. The system being developed by Synthetic uh, has many possible uses. An environmental group, for example, is trying to use it to track large livestock operations globally to monitor greenhouse gas emissions, of course. Synthetic's system really can find anything you want anywhere in the world. And this uh, developer of, of this company, uh, Corey Jaskulski, says, We run searches, as an example, across the entire eastern seaboard of Russia for ships. We can find every ship in a minute. It's pretty remarkable. Being able to scan the vast coastline of a nation like Russia is why this kind of technology has caught the eye of big government intelligence agencies. Watching everything that needs to be watched has always been a labor-intensive business. Even in Orwell's famous novel, 1984, the all-seeing thought police struggled to keep up. And that's, that's the end of the NPR interview. But the article by Michael Snyder says, In the wrong hands, such technology could potentially be used to enforce tyranny on a scale never before seen in all of human history. And, of course, we're thinking about Revelation 13, because they will know if every human is worshiping the beast or not. And, and we've all scratched our heads over that for a long time, but we are, we are actually here. And Michael says, I wanted to learn more about Synthetic, and so I went to their official website. They recently announced a five-year strategic partnership agreement with Microsoft um, uh, aimed at revolutionizing AI data and cloud solutions. Microsoft is providing them access to one million hours, and that's 114 years, folks, of cloud computing resources. This strategic collaboration will unlock, unlock a new era of possibilities in computer vision and data analysis with a wide range of benefits across defense, intelligence, commercial, non-government agency applications. Um, so it's real time. It's not just going through things that have been pre-recorded, uh, downloading, you know, film from an intersection. It's everything is everything is real time. Um, the watchers now can seamlessly connect everything we do online with everything we do offline. Uh, again, it's not limited to online activities, so you can forget about all that. All of that, he says, there is nowhere to run, there is nowhere to hide. Um, here's, here's an interesting development that goes along with this, and this has to do with cars. Um, new vehicles are systematically collecting information about you. If you own an EV or digital car, you better watch what you say, because you might be under total surveillance, and that goes for your passengers as well. Your data will be sold, too multiple times to multiple companies. However, there's an easy opt-out fix. And here's, here's the solution. Never buy them, never drive them, sit in them, or exist on the street when they drive by. So when you go to purchase a new vehicle, it says, be very careful to read the fine print. Check out what anyone that buys a new Subaru is agreeing to. Um, the moment you sit in the passenger seat of a Subaru that uses connected services, you've consented to allow them to use and sell your personal information. According to their privacy uh, policy, that means your name, location, uh, audio recordings of all vehicle occupants, inferences that they can draw about things, okay, inferences about things like your character, predispositions, your behavior, your attitudes. Don't think that simply sitting in the passenger seat of someone's Subaru could mean you consent to having all your personal information used for, oh, I don't know, anything at all. 
let, let alone selling data to brokers or shared with third-party marketers so they can target you with ads. Um, we're going to call out Subaru for this because they lay it out so clearly in their privacy policy. But please, no, Subaru isn't the only car company doing this sort of icky thing, as he says. So again, if you own um, these new cars, and we don't know where they're all going with all these things, and fine print, nobody reads the fine print, really. If you want to use an app or something, you know, you're signing A, B, C, and D. Uh, I'm pretty sure nobody reads that. I could be wrong, uh, unless I just confess that I don't read that because I just don't trust it anyway. And it seems like there's nothing any of us can do about any of it. But um, Subaru has, uh, when they explain all this to people, the information we collect, um, categories of personal information, um, let's see, this is very, very tiny print here. Identifiers of you, um, uh, it just, it's, it's all just um, fine print and all the things that fine print says. Oh, your location, um, your internet activity when you're in the car. Of course, people are online when they're in the car. And it actually says here, inferences drawn from personal information. So they're judging who you are and what you might say and what you might do and, and all these other things. Your payment information, everything that gets recorded in there. Um, so most likely, as um, it says, all other car companies do this too. AI will analyze it, identify your voice and you from the cameras, and anything you say in private cars will belong to them. So that's pretty interesting um, as far as these new car goes. So keep an eye on that. Again, it says don't get in one, don't test drive one. Subaru's going to come after me for this, I'm pretty sure. But anyway... Um, I was not aware of that. All that information was in those cars and, and many other. And maybe the old used cars, maybe the cash for clunkers is our best um, our best game plan at this point. It's harder to get new cars anyway, um, but maybe some of those old beaters, uh, the analog vehicles, are our best bet. Okay, a technocracy, Patrick Wood, we've had him on many times. Um, he is very knowledgeable, and his website is technocracy. Uh, and this article says, jail time, question mark, jail time for operators of gas-powered leaf blowers, edgers, and mowers. <laughs> I mean, you knew that was coming, right, because of your stove and, and your water heater and your furnace. It says, the war on gas-powered uh, garden equipment is spreading. Now Washington State wants to jail offenders for contributing to climate change. This follows a 2021 California law that takes effect in 24, banning all leaf blowers lawnmowers, and weed trimmers. Al Gore warned us in 2015 that deniers deserved to be punished. Now, this is California, and uh, I don't necessarily see this spreading across the fruited plain, but you just, you know, you never know. UNESCO wrote and warned us, this is what Al Gore is referring to, I think, wrote in 2019, quote, criminal sanctions are the most potent tools we have to mark out conduct that lies beyond all limits of toleration. Criminal conduct violates basic rights and destroys human security. Um, uh, we reserve the hard treatment of punishment for conduct that damages the things we hold most fundamentally valuable. Climate change is causing precisely such damage. And I saw an article yesterday, and I'm not kidding, that breathing by humans is one of the biggest problems with climate change. Because we breathe out CO2. We breathe in oxygen, breathe out CO2. Therefore, humans are the problem. And, you know, Noval Hirari and, and uh, Klaus Schwab have been saying that anyway. But sometimes a headline is just so utterly absurd, you can't even think straight after you read it. And that was one of them, that breathing by humans is now been elevated to the number one problem. 
Well, this article about uh, leaf blowers, edgers, and mowers. Democrat lawmakers in Washington state want to jail residents for using gas-powered landscaping tools. State Representative Amy Whalen, Democrat, has pre-filed legislation which would radically alter the state's Clean Air Act and would ban gas-powered and diesel-powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment for contributing to climate change. And you get the general idea on all of that. So um, who knows? Because, again, they are you can't keep up with all these rule changes that are going on. Got time for a couple more headlines. This is from Zero Hedge. I like reading Zero Hedge. They're very sharp, and there's a lot of great headlines that they have. And this one says, the AARP just told its 38 million members to go get an eighth shot of MNRA. That's a very powerful lobbying uh, group, AARP, and a lot of people probably like it. There is definitely uh, an ideological spin with AARP, so if you sign up, you're going to want to look into that because once you hit 50, you're going to get that stuff in the mail. And I've been rejecting AARP for a long time, and this is just part of it. The lobbying group for older Americans has just told its nearly 38 million members to hustle for another COVID jab, even if they already have had five boosters. And now this um, uh, Zero Hedge article by Tyler Durden has a picture of um, an, an article that AARP put out. And people are saying, you know, I've had five boosters. Should I really be signing up for some more? Um, it implies that even a 50-year-old, 50-year-old, right, who has not already had six boosters needs to catch up with another immediately. Keep in mind that someone who has had five COVID boosters has actually received seven mRNA jabs, the initial two-shot primary vaccination regimen followed by five boosters. And again, they are suggesting its members should be taking their eighth jab in, uh, in just the last three years. Scientists have essentially no safety data, and I think a lot of the listeners already know this, beyond a third shot. Well, I would say, if I can interject here, no safety data for any of it. Uh, and it goes on, much less a fourth or more, and thus no way of knowing if the risks of repeated, MR, uh, if the risks of repeated mRNA sh uh, dosing rise with each shot. And AARP's unbelievably bad advice does not end there. The column then goes on to tell members that the most recent shot, which was released in September 2023, isn't actually a booster. Hmm. Well, I'm learning something new here. It's a new vaccine that targets the latest variants. Are they, are they telling people that? A new vaccine. And uh, did it go through randomized trials uh, that are required in the U.S.? Um, I guess no. So we're going to call it a new vaccine anyway. Um, and hopefully, I'm really hoping that um, AARP readers and uh, those who are reading even just Zero Hedge are already suspicious about um, the failure of these shots, but I can't imagine having eight of them. And he says, but the article ends on a happy note. Researchers are even working on a combined COVID flu vaccine. So a few years from now, a single shot from your doctor or pharmacy may be all you need to protect yourself fully. Whoa, isn't that good news? <laughs> um and, of course, they're, they're talking about making every vaccine mRNA. So it's just um, well, perilous times that we're living in, absolutely perilous times. Got time for just one more here. Um, Mark Hitchcock, um, who's just been writing and speaking on prophecy for many, many years, he has one on Harbinger's Daily, Prophetic Megatrends Reshaping Our World in 2024. And this is just sort of a summary um, of what's coming up. Uh, 
some of you are just very well versed on all these things, but it's good to, to just get uh, encapsulated form here. Uh, and Mark Hitchcock says, AI, China's impact on global events, upcoming elections, major developments in Israel, and many more events are shaping the world in 2024. Here's a brief overview of what I consider six mega trends for the upcoming year, which carry important prophetic significance. And number one he has is AI, and I agree with that, just based on what we talked about this morning, about real-time surveillance and being able to find a vehicle or a ship along Russia's coastline, or our own for that matter, within minutes. Um, so AI made his number one. The first prophetic megatrend I see is AI. It has really come on the scene in a dramatic way over the last year, but it's going to continue to accelerate into a mushroom as we go into 24. I agree with him on that. All the things that come from AI will be tools that will be used by the Antichrist. That's really good to remember. He says it's clear that he'll come and exploit this kind of technology in his dom domination of the world. So if this technology is going to lead to world domination by a final brutal world leader, we need to sit up and take notice. He says, therefore, it's important to keep up to date on what is happening with the development of AI. I agree with him completely. Number two, China's impact on global events. He says, uh, China, the leader of the kings of the east mentioned in Revelation 16, will be part of the campaign of Armageddon. Um, uh, he talks about the elections of this year are going to uh, determine our country's future, and China could very well act this year, maybe early in the year, because they're sensing U.S. weakness. They could go after Taiwan, so that's interesting. Keep an eye on that. Number three, digital currencies, another prophetic megatrend, digital currencies. Um, I know that it's taking a while, but I think it's going to be fast-tracked pretty soon. And then Mark, Mark says, number four, narratives surrounding climate change. Yes, they are narratives. Talk about making things more complex. Um, you know, it, it's just a false alarm. It's being grossly over-exaggerated, and it's all about controlling your life. They had that COP28 uh, climate change conference in Dubai recently. It's the existential crisis for the world, and that is just a big fat whopper. So um, Russia, number five, the fifth prophetic megatrend is Russia. Uh, their ties with Israel are at the lowest point since the fall of the USSR. Um, they are no longer friends, according to Mark here, or at least a pretense of friendship. Number six, Israel and the Middle East. We definitely want to keep an eye on that. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. It could blow up. I mean, it could just blow up into something much bigger uh, very soon. Um, and he says, Iran, he says, the spark that ignites the fuse there is Iran because they are, they are an enemy of Israel. Call them Persia, call them Iran, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we now see Russia and Turkey's relationship with Israel deteriorating, um, and these are key players in Ezekiel 38 invasion. Uh, so excellent article by Mark Hitchcock on Harbinger's Daily, um, which is a great website in itself, a lot of wonderful articles, and it's called Prophetic Megatrends Reshaping Our World in 2024. We are out of time for today. I hope you got something out of those headlines. I really enjoyed doing the headlines, just a, you know, just a snapshot of what's going on in our world. Um, I'm not sure it was on uh, tomorrow. We have a replay we're crash. Gonna, we're going to be doing Jan Markell's okay. Understanding the Times Great. over the weekend. Great okay. message, and we want people to hear okay. that message. All right, that's so tomorrow. And a special treat there. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, T.A. McMahon on Thursday. Um, we're going to talk about the church and Pete Garcia on Friday. And oh, that's going to—they're all fantastic guests. We're going to have a great time with Pete Garcia, talking about the election, civil war, and all many other things. So, that's it for today. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have a great snowy day on purpose.